Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. I gotta tell you, this is new, uh, doing it like this. You know, you're always used to being uh, with your church family, and so it's different, you know, doing it uh, live like this, that you're here, yet um, not physically, and so, but I'm just thankful, actually, it worked about that well, okay, here we go, so I'm just happy that at least there is some technology that um, we can kind of, sort of, you know, uh, come together like this and and be a part and still do church. And so that's the, the wonderful thing about um, technology today. And I'm thankful for it. Uh, I'm thankful for you and your faithfulness and all things. And I know that there's um, there's like a lot of fear out there and a lot of concern about, you know, how long is this going to take? What's it going to look like? All these different kinds of things. But uh, um, just rest assured, today we're going to talk about faith. We're going to continue in our journey in John. And I don't know if you caught it when... Uh, Joe uh, was uh, here last week. Wow, it was last week. That time is just crazy. And so he was talking about some of the same things that uh, I was talking about the week before. And I just wanted to encourage you, if you caught that, that that's not planned. That's just the the spirit of the Lord, like uniting hearts and stuff. And so that was a really awesome and interesting thing. Uh, And so we're going to continue a little bit here with, uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, we started in, in uh, left off in chapter uh, 4, verse 46, and we went into chapter 5, verse 1 uh, through 14. And I just want to do a little bit of, of review, and then we'll, we'll go forward. Uh, this is where uh, Jesus had met the Samaritan woman in, in John chapter 4. And then there's, it's a massive... Uh, there's a whole lot of stuff there to, to really take your time in going through, and, and, that, and we've done that well. But uh, just meeting the woman where she was at, um, nobody else would have, would have done what Jesus did. And so uh, just meeting her, the disciples being involved in that, and, and just seeing a revival happen in a place that was considered defiled, that uh, people wouldn't even walk through the, the, te- the country of Samaria. And so we're moving here, in, starting in verse 46. We said that uh, he went again to Cana of Galilee, where he turned the water into wine. And a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son, for he was about to die. And Jesus said, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Sir, the official said to him, Come down before my boy dies. And Jesus says, uh, Go. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said to him, and he departed. Uh, In the NIV version of that, it says, And the man took Jesus at his word. And if you remember a couple weeks ago, that's what we were talking about. Uh, I think where we're at now, uh, it's just such a timely uh, thing that we're talking about faith uh, in in John, uh, with what we're going through. Um, And so a lot of things we have to do is we have to take Jesus at his word through his promises, through the things maybe he's said to you perf- uh, personally in your spirit, to the things of his word, uh, it is our faith that that act, that really uh, centers us on that. And let's uh, continue to read 
let's see. And when he was still going down, his slaves met him, saying that his boy was alive. And he asked them, uh, what time he got better? Yesterday at seven in the morning. The fever left him, they answered. The father realized that this was the very hour which Jesus had told him, your son will live. And then he himself believed in all his whole household. Therefore, this was the second sign Jesus performed uh, when he came to Judea. And then there's the third sign of the healing of the sick in John chapter 5. Um, and this is the man who was uh, in the, by the pool of Bethesda. And he, uh, within these lay a large number of the sick, the blind, the lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water, because an angel would go down to the pool from time to time and stir the water. Then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up, recovered from whatever ailment he had. So one man who had been sick for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there, knew he had already been there a long time and said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool, and when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man got well and picked up his mat and started to walk. Now the day was the Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath, and it is illegal for you to pick up your mat. He replied, The man who made me well told me to pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you to pick up your mat and walk, they said. But the man didn't know who cured him, and because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple complex and said, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore, so that something worse doesn't happen to you. And the man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Okay, so, long bit of reading, but um, you can take it. Here we go. So there's some interesting things that we're looking at here. One was, um, there is a man who had been paralyzed for roughly 38 years and is laying uh, to try uh, to get into this pool where people would get healed once in a while when the, when the waters were stirred. And so it's, as you're looking at this, you have to ask yourself, that's, that, where was everybody else? I mean, people had seen this man lying there. Um, maybe once in a while someone would uh, try and help, but we basically see this man trying to survive on his own. Uh, nobody helping him, lying there by himself, trying to get to this water, trying to get healing and, and trying to press on. And it tells you about the condition of, uh, you, I guess you would call uh, the church at that time, uh, the nation of Israel, um, there was no compassion. And so as Jesus is coming and he's seeing this man, uh, he, you see the compassion that Jesus has for those who are sick, who are hurting, who are not being helped by the religious people who are supposed to be helping them. And so as you're, as you're seeing this thing unfold, there's a lot that probably happens in that 38 years that we don't know about. And most of it is just being ignored. No one to help, no one to, to, to help with this guy who's been paralyzed. And so uh, that is an indication of what has happened um, to a body of individuals who would call themselves religious, but have nothing when it comes to helping others. And so we're going to explain that here in a little bit. Um, the second thing that we look at here is that Jesus did this on the Sabbath. And, and what you're going to find out is that religious people... When you start messing with the system, religious people get angry because it goes against their grain. And so here you have people, this man has been paralyzed for 38 years, he's walking, and the, the religious people who see the man walking are not concerned about how he got well, or why he's... 
Uh, he replied, the man who made me well told me to pick up my mat and walk. So they're not even like recognizing that really a miracle has been done. Their religious people are, are really consumed with the fact that you're not obeying the rules, right? And so Jesus is healing this guy. He healed him on the Sabbath. He's upsetting uh, the apple cart for religious people. And, you know, it's, he's not upsetting the apple cart, I think, for just to tick people off and to show people up. I really think he's trying to get people to have compassion on those who are suffering. And so he goes, he, he starts prodding against, you know, your, those, those rules that you have that keep, you know, he's really, he's really going against that stuff to, to kind of get people to understand what exactly, uh, what you're seeing. We saw a miracle, and you're more concerned about rules than you are about what God has done in the life of that individual. If you can't celebrate with people who have experienced a miracle with God because it, it goes against what you thought you believed, then the issue is not what you're angry at. The issue is you. The issue is that you've chosen a, a mode of religion instead of relationship. And Christianity is not a religion. We People have made it into that, but it was never intended to be a religion in the sense. It was always relational. The, 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 the disciples walking around with Jesus, everything they did was, was relational. His talking to them, showing them uh, how, how to heal, everything was relational. It wasn't a 10-step program on how to heal. It wasn't a 10-step you know, program of how to not be what you were and to be something else. It, it wasn't any of that kind of stuff. It wasn't, it, he didn't put it in this, this little package and say, if you do all this stuff, you cross all these T's and dot all these I's, then you've done it and you're good. It was relational. It was walking together. It was living together. It was learning together. It was growing together. And the church, it, that's what the church is supposed to be. And yeah, there are some organization things that we have to take care of. But more than anything, the church is this live organism that's living. And people living in community together and celebrating together. And, and being in sorrow together when times come that sorrow happens. And, 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 and we're this body that the Bible t tells us we are. Uh, Paul will talk about us being the body and that if one member suffers, we all suffer because we're, we're not supposed to be disconnected from one another. And religion disconnects us from one another. It really does. So you think about how many denominations there are out in the church world today. Now, I'm not picking on anything. I'm just saying that we've become more segregated than at any other time with a religion that was supposed to be relational and we, we've allowed so many things to separate us and the only time that doesn't matter is when persecution or trials and tribulations happen and then that's when walls seem to be coming down and so I, it shouldn't have to be that way we should be able to be in relationship with us we can still have our differences in, in understanding uh, some of the minor things of scripture but we all agree on the major tenets of, of our relationship and what it means to come uh, to be a Christian in relationship with Jesus and in relationship with one another. And we should all be able to share in that. No matter what church you go to, there should not be walls that separate us from coming together and, and experiencing at some time the greater body uh, and the vision of what God has. It's okay to go to the church that you go to. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that we all have to go to one church. 
You, we can go to the different churches we have. That, that's okay. But we can't allow that to separate us from each other. Because then it becomes about a religion and it stops being relational. And, in, and if it's a religion, then it's no different than anything else in the world today. Because a religion has no power. And religion does not transform people. But relationship does. And so, these guys here in, in John chapter 4, I love how it said it took Jesus at his word. And what, he's, what that is is faith. And if you remember, we talked, about, we talked in Hebrews, and we got the definition of faith from Hebrews chapter 11. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For our ancestors won God's approval by it. Right? So there's your definition of faith. What is faith? It's that right there. It is the reality. Some of your trances... Translations may say assurance or confidence. Now faith is the assurance, the confidence, the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen, for our ancestors won an approval by it. So my faith is, is, has a substance to it. It's not just a theoretical understanding. There is a substance to the, my faith. And it's a reality of what I'm believing for, of what I'm hoping for, of what God has promised Right? The promises in His Word. My faith is real and it's active and it's alive. And as a matter of fact, my faith that, that I have uh, in my belief in Christ that is relational, it's not just during my lifetime. We are all living from the obedience and faith that one man had when God said to Abraham, get out of the country and go to the land that I'm giving you as an inheritance, right? Because of his faith and his obedience, there are, there are three major faiths that look at him as, as a look at Abraham as a father. We're one of them. And we're looking at, and we're living the, under the promises of, of what that said. We're grafted into that. Now look at, look what else he says here. He says here about uh, Abraham. Uh, by Abraham he was called, and he obeyed, and he went out to the place he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed as a foreigner. Okay, so he, he's using his faith, he's, he's, he's going after, he's, he's going, obeying what God had called him to do. Now, I want to switch something to you, because I think this is important. If you look at James, which is just the, the next book over, you look at James chapter 2, what does it say there? What good is it, in verse 14, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. See, the Christian world has been really good at talking about, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast, right? And so, but t t uh, verse 10 of that same chapter says that you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. So there was never supposed to be a separation between faith and works. It was just that faith always came first. And faith was always a gift that came from God. But then works follow. You can't just say you have faith and then do nothing with it. Because then it's dead, it's not alive. Your faith, the reality of your faith, 
and the, the, the proof of your faith is the transformation that happens in your life through what you say you believe. Your faith should be moving you to works. Now, sometimes people get this wrong, and they say, well, I'm just going to do a whole bunch of good works and make God happy. It doesn't work that way. Because your imperfect imperfection can never please perfection. We, we've talked about that. And so I can never be good enough or do enough good things to ever make God happy because I was born in sin and born in imperfection. I know that's hard thinking for the American mind. Nevertheless, it is the truth of the Scripture. And because of that, I can't earn my salvation through my works because my works are not perfected. It is only when I receive God's gift of salvation through Jesus Christ that I become transformed because the Holy Spirit dwells within me and transforms. So here's a couple things. One, it transforms my life. I'm no longer the same person I, I was. The old man has died. Behold, all things have become new. And so I'm a different, I'm a new creation in Christ, which means that I've, everything that I've ever needed has been given to me through the down. The, the, the deposit of, the down payment of the Holy Spirit that resides in me. And as Jesus is, with his outstretched arms, is bringing reconciliation between God and man on the cross, the Holy Spirit is grabbing thing, everything that I need from heaven when I receive Jesus, and it comes and it dwells within me. Everything that I need has been given to me by the Holy Spirit that is in me. But, my life that I'm... That doesn't mean everything necessarily gets activated at the same time. My life, uh, as, as I'm going forward in life and I'm, and I'm moving, there are things that God unlocks for a new season in my life. So it's there. It's deposited through the Holy Spirit. And this is about spiritual, it's, a, it's, it's about His kingdom stuff. And so there's kingdom stuff that I do here on earth, but there's kingdom stuff that is reserved for only when I get to heaven. So his kingdom is coming, and I'm doing things, and I'm experiencing a little bit of his kingdom here on earth as I'm going and doing and obeying. So there's transformation that happens in my life. And the second thing is obedience. Because the Spirit of God speaks to me through the Holy Spirit and, and the Word of God. And so what happens then is, is my choice of whether I'm going to obey what the Word of God says or where I feel the Spirit of God is leading. That's part of works. It's not just going and taking a meal to your neighbor because you just want to be nice. It's you're doing these things because you have been transformed. You have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That has brought transformation into your life, which means a change. Repentance, and repentance, people, is, is turning a 180 and turning away from what you were doing and going in a different direction. And that direction that you're going in is the direction of, of God, the Holy Spirit, leading you. And, and so he's leading me into different places. He's speaking into my life. And so part of the works and the transformation in my life is the obedience of whether I'll do what God has called me to do. That's all part of works. It's, it's all of it. And so I can't say that I have faith in God and not exercise my obedience to go and do what he's called me to do. Abraham, I have faith. But if he would have still stayed in the land that he was told to leave... His faith wouldn't have amounted to anything because he, didn't, he wouldn't have obeyed what God called him to do. And so there's this delicate balance between my faith and my works. And my faith is, comes first and it, it comes uh, from God and I receive it and I'm changed and I believe Jesus and I believe that I was sinful. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he shed. And there's so much that goes with that. And sometimes it just kind of 
It sounds like we've heard it all the time, but it's a big deal. Okay? And then from that comes the transformation in my life to not do the things I used to do that were displeasing to Him, but doing the things that please Him. And then the obedience uh, of, of, of Him speaking to my heart and conforming my life to the Word. If there's no transformation and there's no obedience in your life, but you say you have faith, you have to question of whether you really have faith. Because James says it's dead. Your faith is supposed to be alive. And your faith is alive through your, uh, your response to, to Jesus, your, your obedience and transformation. What is transformation? Sanctification. Big $5 words, right? Well, it's allowing the Spirit of God in access into every aspect of my life and letting Him rearrange everything. And living my life from that position of faith. Jesus is never going to take me into a place that is going to hurt me. I understand what I'm saying. But that's not saying transformation doesn't hurt. That just means that as I'm walking through this, the place that I'm going through with Jesus is going to be this, this wonderful place of peace, of confidence, of identity. Even in the midst of what may be going around me, I'm operating at a, at, a, at a different place because of my faith in Him. I'm believing, like my forefathers of, of Hebrews chapter 11, that there's something greater that's out there. That doesn't mean I'm not going to go through hardship. That doesn't mean I'm not going to have trials and tribulations. But because my faith that I have and the, and the transformation that Jesus has done in my life and the peace that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, and not, and, and, and not only the comforter, but the empowerer, He gives me power. He's in me and He comes upon me. So He's in me always and there's sometimes when He just comes upon me for, for certain extraordinary things that I'm supposed to do, which only happen because of my faith and my obedience in response to my faith. If I don't move where God is calling me to move, then I won't experience the things that God has or the things that He desires. And so our faith has to get moving. Our faith is alive. And that doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to go around and I'm going to do a bunch of things. No, 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 no. The first thing you got to do is you, just, you read, you, you get into His Word. The first thing about obedience, uh, of, of, of your faith and responding to Him, is, is being with Him. Is being with Him. I, I have a great opportunity now that, that I, since I came to Jesus, is to dwell with Him. And not, and not just, the, yeah, Jesus dwells within me, blah, blah. No, it's getting alone with my word, with the word of God, the Bible. Reading, just, and then listening. The Spirit of God is, is speaking today. You, some people will tell you that the, the God doesn't speak today. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. I don't think anybody really believes that. Maybe a selected few. But the reality of it is, most of this is just terminology. You know, people may not like to hear the word prophecy or the prophetic, but, you know, they'll say, well, other people will say, well, I kind of feel the Lord leading me in this direction. That means God is speaking. It's as simple as that. So the Lord does speak today. If He didn't speak, how would He bring conviction when you've done something wrong? That's the Lord speaking. That's the Holy Spirit inside of you, okay, leading you, directing you into different places. So I, got, I, I need to get alone with that, and so that to be the only voice that I hear in my life uh, it, with, with the Lord. And then obeying. If God is leading me to do something, 
Sometimes it's repentance towards a, a fellow person. Sometimes it's, 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 it's just a work that He's calling me to do. Okay, so our faith is moving. Our faith is alive. Our faith is, is a free gift from God, Jesus, uh, faith in Christ, okay? But after that, there's a, it brings transformation into our life. That means there's a difference. I'm different than before I met Jesus. He's made a difference in my life. And then he, it keeps building off that. The, the assurance that we're talking about when he says that faith is the assurance of, of what is hoped for, or the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is unseen, we, that word assurance, it's, it's like this foundational thing. It's something that I will not be moved off of. And I've noticed people put their faith in a lot of different things. But there's, there's only, Jesus is the only thing that's immovable in my life. Because His promises are irrevocable in my life, in your life, and from His Word. And so those promises don't extend to, to uh, just this world. They're also about when my heart stops, <laughs> what happens then? I go to the fulfillment of what He's promised in His Word as well too. So whether I live, Paul would say this, whether I live or whether I die, it's better for me that I die because I get to go be with Jesus, but it's better for you that I live, right? So Paul is saying, uh, you know, whether I live or die, it, it's gain <laughs> because I'm either going to stay here and do the work of Christ or I'm going to go be with Christ. And he recognized that it's better for him if he goes, but he also recognized it's better for you if I stay because you gain from me. So whatever it is, Paul would also say that I've learned, right, how to, how to be satisfied in whether I have a lot or whether I have a little. Because his faith wasn't in the systems of this world. His faith was in Christ. And that transcends everything. And so we need to uh, look at our, take stock of our own life. We need to uh, just, you know, just look inward and find out what I'm really putting my faith in. Because... You've got two things. You're either going to be full of faith or you're going to be full of fear. And, and we've noticed and we've seen that there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of panic in a lot of people. Um, and it's, it, you've seen that. <laughs> people running to the stores and, and buying, you know, dozens and dozens of things of toilet paper. I never thought that I would live in the age where toilet paper would be worth more than gold. Yet here we are, people, right? And mainly that's because of fear. And so, we not, not, need not to be guided and, and controlled by fear. We need to be controlled by faith. Because from that is love. And for God so loved that He gave, right? And perfect love casts out fear. So, I have the ability to not be... That doesn't mean I'm, I'm not going to be concerned or fear is not... I'm not going to be afraid for a little bit, but I'm not going to be controlled or paralyzed by it because I have a faith that's stronger than anything else and I will respond out of my faith and not my fear. If my faith is alive, if my faith is real, if my faith has produced transformation and obedience into my life, I'm not talking about sinless perfection, but I'm talking about you know pursuing that path that God has for us. And so, be encouraged today. I our faith is live. Our, our faith is real. And if you've been struggling, hey, guess what? The goodness of God is, is you can still go to Him. And God will give you what you ask for. If you're asking, God, I need your peace. I'm, I'm surrendering to you, Father. Just work your way in me. God's going to respond to that. Keep, 
keep going in that direction. He, he cannot resist. He cannot resist a, a humble heart and a contrite spirit. That's what he wants to. Okay? You've been governed by fear? Allow yourself to be governed by love and faith. It'll change your entire outlook on everything. That doesn't mean you're going to stop washing your hands or any of that kind of stuff. No. Washing your hands is not a lack of faith. That's just good common sense. But it's not going to be paralyzed. It doesn't mean you should disobey shelter in places. No, 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 no. That's, that falls under honor the king. We've already talked about that. But what it means is that I'm not going to be concerned about every little doorknob that I touch. Am I, it, I'm not going to be controlled by fear. I'm going to be motivated by love and moved by my faith in all things. And if there's a need that I can meet, I'm going to meet it. And if there's, there's, there's people that need some things, if I can do it, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do what God leads me to, to do from His Word and by His Spirit. And I won't stop doing those things because I'm afraid. Because I'm full of love and I'm full of faith. Okay? Amen? Alright. Uh, I've talked a long time, I think, for um, Internet Church. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife.aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.